When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here, Mike K, the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. You might think this is a preview podcast, but it's actually an emergency podcast, and I'm going to tell you why. The Eagles didn't make any trades, but they lost something big, something serious. I was walking through the locker room yesterday. I walked by Josh Sweat's locker. I thought there was an imposter sitting there because there's this, this tall man with short hair. Josh Sweat shaved off his dreads. They're gone. He has short hair now. Like what? You weren't in the locker room yesterday because you had you were dealing with some stuff. But like, what was your reaction when you saw my tweet about that? Well, you have to go all or nothing, right? I mean, like with dreads. Yeah. My my college roommate had to shave off his dreads, and it, you have to do it because it's like it's impossible. Yeah, it's to, either you you can't cut off a little bit of it, yeah. Right, and uh, this is clearly a huge loss for the Eagles. Depth it's chart. the biggest loss of the season so far. <laughs> when you think about it, too, how their dread count on this is getting smaller. Yeah, you know they have the dreaded secondary with. Uh, Sydney Jones, Jones uh, Ronald Darby, um, Jonathan Cyprian, right? Jonathan yeah. Cyprian, there you go. Maybe but, that's why they signed him, actually, if you think about it. <laughs> to fill the dread yeah, void. Yeah, fill the dread. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, from my perspective, it, what does this mean for his ability to rush the pass? Yeah, yeah, people were joking on Twitter, I don't know if they're being serious, that it makes him more aerodynamic. There are people who took the extreme where they have to cut him now. Um, like people who call him a bust, people who said he's going to have 15 sacks now. Like it's all the extreme reaction. I <clears throat> like half-heartedly like asked him, like, "You cut your hair?" He's like, "No, I didn't. I never had any hair." I was like, "Wait, is, was it all an illusion this whole time?" Yeah, I'm wondering <laughs> if he had to get that approved. Uh, but it's been like a summer of transformation for him. He gained like 20 pounds. He changed his number to 94. Very respectable. Yeah, and, that's much better than 75. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, shaved his head. Like this is like this is a whole new man. So you know. We'll see if he goes this out. This is jarring. I don't know if you guys will be able to finish the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> if he goes out and he has two sacks against the Falcons, yeah, we know what was holding him back. Clearly. <laughs> All right, uh, that is serious. But in a more serious note, <laughs> the Eagles do have a game this week. I guess uh, Sunday night against the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons, who we talked about earlier in the week, looked pretty terrible the other day. Before we get into that, there's a you know interesting guy that is on the trade block that you and I were both texting about last night. I wrote a little bit of something about it, but so the Dolphins are in full on Sam Hinkie tank mode, it seems, and half their roster, I guess, uh, demanded trades or requested them is the polite way of saying it. But the the more interesting one, like, was specifically reported yes last night by Chris Mortensen, I believe, um, that Minka Fitzpatrick they gave permission to seek a trade. Uh, for background on him, if you don't know who that is, he's safety from Alabama. He was a first round pick, I believe, like seventeenth overall last year. Eleventh. Oh, eleventh. Sorry. Yeah, I thought he dropped farther than that. Um, New Jersey native, actually grew up an Eagles fan. He told me that when I interviewed him during the pre-draft process last year, which kind of, he's a for North Central North Jersey kid. Usually, they're Jets or Giants guys. So, mm-hmm. as as uh, Seamus Clancy tweeted at me, he, he checks out on like the from here uh, score, mm-hmm. <laughs> being from here. Um, but he, he's a, he's like a versatile defensive back who played who's played safety and corner in the NFL. He played mostly cor- more corner last year. And I wouldn't say mostly, but he played a lot of corner last year. I think he's played more safety. So far in the new team, and 
I think I saw a report that he wants to play corner. And I, it's not like he can really demand what he's going to play when he's going places. I'm sure if he came to the Eagles, I, I feel like he would be more willing to adapt to the surroundings. But what what, what is your read on Minka? So he was – I really thought that he was going to be a premier NFL safety because he was really good at the position at Alabama. He's obviously versatile enough to play nickel. He can play some corner. Um, but I like him as a free safety or a strong safety, obviously – there's a lot of perks to trading for him. For one, he's on the second year of a first-round pick contract, which means that you have that fifth-year option. So you basically could have him for four yeah. years. You have your replacement for McLeod or you, Jenkins. You yeah. also don't have to pay the hefty bonus that comes with an 11th overall pick because they already paid it. Yeah, yeah the Dolphins have that charge. I think from the long-term perspective, you look. we've talked about this before on the podcast, the safety group is going to look very different next year because Malcolm Jenkins is getting up there. Uh, I think he turns 33 next year. Um, and he's also, you know, well-paid, even though he wants to be even more highly paid. Yeah, which kind of faded away. It's weird. Yeah. After well, Jeffrey Lee talked to him. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then McLeod is set to become a free agent. Uh, they have two older guys backing them up in Cyprian and they won't, they won't be here next year. I yeah, think. yeah. That's a fair assumption so you know Fitzpatrick could come in here and be the big nickel um replace Zendejo maybe you get back a compensatory pick so it makes sense to maybe trade a third round pick so you can pick up the fourth round pick as you know whatever you want to do with that but um he can play corner he can play nickel like he gives you options if you feel like Avante Maddox is your best backup corner um if Rasul or Sydney goes down or Darby has a setback and you want to move Avante Maddox outside, Minka Fitzpatrick can play that nickel spot. Um, I would keep him at the, in the center of the field. I think outside there are some limitations. Alabama cornerbacks historically kind of fall off a cliff after a few years. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I think that Fitzpatrick would be an ideal you know, trade asset. Let me propose a trade to you. Well, before you do that, one, I should say Mortensen's report included that the Dolphins' like current asking price is includes a first round pick, which I don't think the Eagles would do. I don't think anyone would do yeah. that. But yeah, so so what would your offer be? A third round pick in Russell Douglas. I think that makes a lot of sense for both teams. Uh, Douglas has this year and next year on his deal, so they have a little bit of long term, uh, a long term situation with him. Plus, you get a third round pick. I think the general assumption would be if you trade for Fitzpatrick, you're probably dropping Zendejo, so the Eagles... So it's like they're gaining a fourth-round pick also. In right. And that's the type of trade Howie would make. I don't think it's a realistic possibility that they trade for yeah, him. That's a, uh, that's fair. Uh, I think it's a it's home a, run if you could a, get... Like, we're always talking... People are always asking Howie to make a splash trade. Like, and this makes sense on, like, so many levels that if you're going to do it, you do it for a guy like this that you have under contract for a few years... Which is probably why the Dolphins are asking for such a high, mm-hmm. you know, value. You have a guy who's just drafted in the first round. And he's he's proven that he's not bad at least, which is a step up for a lot of guys that get given up. Teams give up on right away. Um, you know, the interesting thing, like, you know, we were talking about this uh, earlier. Um, so the Eagles, in theory, their third round pick is going to be worse than you know if a mid level team were to do it. So it, that, some people suggested a second and Sydney or Rizul Douglas. Um, they would only have to do that if there was like a lot of other teams probably negotiating against them, I would guess, right? Yeah. Right, and I, I think from the Dolphins' standpoint, they 
think they have leverage, but they really don't. If you're having a fire sale... If everybody knows you're trading somebody, then what's the value? Right. I mean, obviously, I would assume Fitzpatrick's agent kind of leaked that one um, because it does take away a lot of leverage. Uh, What I will say is this. First round picks... Well, draft picks in general are like cars. Once you ride them off the lot... They leave a lot, yeah. Yeah, they, they... they tr- I mean, they lose a lot of value. I mean, look at Josh Rosen. Right, he was drafted in the top ten. They didn't really get a chance to show anything, and all they could get was what a third was a third they, or second. I think they got a second. Second, a but, late second. But it was because the Cardinals were so bad at negotiating. Is right, but, like, but still, the point being, and that's like, the quarterback position. You traded a top ten pick less than a year earlier for not a top ten pick. Right, and it's the quarterback position, right? Yeah, so he's and the, it's the quarterback position. He's the pick before Minka Fitzpatrick. Whereas, like safeties have less value now. Mm-hmm. Just based, I mean, some guys got big contracts, but they're last year especially you saw those guys who were kind of lingering in free agency for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I will say too is, how are you going to fit him in, into your defense? You know, it's one thing to get a good player. For instance, when Eric Rowe was coming out of college, I thought he was clearly a safety. Chip Kelly used him as a corner and... Or Billy Davis did at least. Well, well yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah Billy, not a yeah. great defensive coordinator. So yeah. Right. And, you know, so then you have Billy Davis using him as a corner. They trade him to New England. He does okay as a corner, but he's a safety in my opinion. He's also yeah. now in Miami as well. Oh, he is? Yeah, know. he is. Yeah. He, well, he was on the Patriots during the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, but he went with, um, oh, with Brian, uh, Flores. Brian Flores. Yeah, like, did so, he sign as a free agent? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Wow. So one of your when, was that one of your uh, your signature former Eagle signs with so and so posts? I don't remember. So well? It was so long ago, <laughs> but um, the action was hot and heavy. So maybe he got lost in the shuffle. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, you can take a guy and bring him in and think he's great, but if you use him poorly, you you know you're kind of yeah. I mean, like Golden Tate is a good example of what can happen to that. Right. They didn't need Golden Tate. He was a luxury. They traded for him and just did not know how to, what to do with him. Like, they didn't have a plan. Right. So if you're training Fitzpatrick, you, you would hope they know how they were going to use him, whether that's in the Avante Maddox role, whether that's a slot mm-hmm. corner, like a safety, like whatever it is. I will say the one advantage that the Eagles have with Minka Fitzpatrick that they did with Golden Tate is Matt Burke, who was his defensive coordinator as a rookie, is here in the building as a special assistant for Jim Schwartz. So he knows what Fitzpatrick's strengths and weaknesses are. Um you know, he's a guy that probably had a lot of say in his drafting or his arrival. So there's that. I mean, Matt Burke just helped them bring in Akeem Spence. So clearly... Yeah, Matt Burke. No, If they bring Fitzpatrick in, then Matt Burke like has played a part in that. Right. So, you know, they've kind of still followed the model of the Joe Douglas where you want that like circle of trust or whatever, where it's, you know, it's a guy that people have experience with in the building because so they know how he fits the culture, what he can do in the system, et cetera. Yeah, like how he's talked a lot in the past about how the Eagles, before they pursue a guy, will talk to somebody on the team who has like played with him or knows him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a smart way to go about things instead of just willy-nilly just going and getting a guy because he sounds talented, which is what other teams do. And it's also why you never really see the Eagles having the sort of like locker room issues that a lot of other teams do, you know? Yeah. Fun trivia question for you. Who's the one player on this team that's played with Akeem Spence? So it would have been with the Buccaneers, I'm guessing. All right, so I'm active. So who played on the Buccaneers on this team? Vinny Curry? No, he was, he was on the Dolphins last year. Oh, who is it? I give up. Josh McCown. Oh, that's a the good one. The brutal 2-14 uh, Lovey Smith year. Look at yes. that. That's a good one. 
2003. Dude, Akeem Spence in the locker room, like this, the dude was smiling like so widely the entire time he talked to the media. Like he, he's like, I've never been on a winning team before. I'm just like the Eagles called. So I'm like, yeah, I'm excited. Like, it, it's a, it's really whenever they sign a guy who's never been on a winning team before, it's like really like Zach Brown was so happy. He's like, I didn't. I'm sure he wasn't really getting much interest anyway. But the way he was like, don't answer any of their calls. I'm going to the Eagles. Like it's funny how that that happens with guys who come from losers. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's like going from, you know, a hole-in-the-wall Italian restaurant to going to work for, like... Uh, so going from, like, Olive Garden to, like, a fine dining Italian right, restaurant. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, or, like, Carrabba's. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not I a huge I haven't been to Carrabba's or Olive Garden in a long time. Um, so before we get in the preview, just one more news item. Tori Smith announced his uh, retirement uh, on mm-hmm. Twitter today. He did a video. Um, I'm wondering if that's more one of those like nobody's interested in me, so I might as well call it now. Kind of because he was getting up there, his speed was kind of gone. He has other interests outside of football, but Doug Peterson did open his press conference, uh, congratulating him on the next stage and that he won a championship with us. He he had some he had some really good moments for the Eagles that year. So, I mean, this probably especially was, in the playoffs. Yeah. So I figured I'd just let you guys know that. Um. All right. Now we'll get into a little preview. Just before we get into like some categories and stuff, like what what's kind of your general feeling now as we were at the end of the week about this game. Well, I, I think I think the Eagles are in an interesting spot. So they're going on the road against a team that was embarrassed on the road uh, in week one. They saw what happened to a division rival, the Carolina Panthers, on Thursday night. And the Tampa Bay Bucks look like they're much improved on defense and could be a contender for the NFC South. I think... The Falcons need this win. Like, they really need... Like, the Eagles need this win. Every win is important. The Falcons really need this win. 0-2 is tough. Yeah, especially in that division where you have uh, a team like the Saints. Uh, That said, I do think this Eagles team is better. I think a lot of the concerns about the Eagles' pass rush are unfounded just because they didn't get sack numbers. They, I mean, I've watched the game... Rewatched the game twice. They were getting tons of pressure. Uh, you know, the cornerbacks do need to be put in a better position in coverage, but they also need to play better. Um, this is going to come down to how can you stop Julio Jones? And the Eagles, over the last three matchups, have done a pretty good job against him. And so Doug touched on that at his press conference today, and it's they'll go with the same strategy. It's you let, If he gets his yards, you let him get his yards, but don't let him score, which they have. And he, he has, like... The amount of targets he's gotten in the three the last three games against the Eagles, I think it's like 16, 15, and 19 or something like that. Like the, So they're, they're, they're going to throw it to him a lot. They do have Calvin Ridley now, who mm-hmm. is a pretty good player. Doug spoke pretty highly of Mohamed Sanu as well. They have Austin Hooper. Like I, Even though the offense looked pretty bad, like those are still tough weapons to cover, especially for a team that maybe has secondary issues, at least based on the first week it seemed like they might. Um, so just, just looking at... Looking at the game, let's go through like the, the key matchups. What's the first key matchup you have your eye on? It probably has to do with Julio, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, Julio versus Ronald Darby, I think it's a big one. Um, wouldn't be shocked if they put Rasul on him at times, just from a size I think standpoint. Darby covered him last year, I believe. He did. Yeah. Uh, but Darby's also coming off a knee injury. Yep. So I could, if they have him on a pitch count again this week, I think Rasul's the guy you want on him. I, my impression is that they're going to be doing this rotation for a while with the three of them. Yeah, that's the way Jim Schwartz kind of alluded to it but what I'll say is this I think that if Darby can like you said keep him to 
big gains but no scores, I think that the Eagles will be in good shape. You want to force the Falcons to take field goals as opposed to touchdowns because I think Carson Wentz having Deshaun Jackson can light it up on the other side. Um, I'm trying to think of like another matchup that like super stands out. I think. Well, I think so. I think Deshaun against whoever, whatever corner they. You think it'll be true font? Probably. Yeah, so I'm guessing he would probably follow him then, right? Mm-hmm. So, it, so in a sense, the matchup becomes everybody else versus not true font because, you know, Deshaun. We've talked about this a lot. The team has talked about it all week. He's really going to open something up, and I wonder if we see a big Alshon Jeffrey, a big. I think they're going to hit the tight ends quite a bit this game. Yeah. The yeah. Falcon safeties aren't huge guys, um, and Nelson Aguilar. Like, do do you see those like in the middle of the field guys having a big night? Yeah, I mean, I think. I don't think Hooper's very good. Um, I'm not a big fan of his, but I think... He's a Stanford guy too, isn't he? uh, Indiana, I thought. Right? right. I'll look that up while you talk. Um, (laughs) So I I think the Eagles secondary will do all right uh, against the tight ends. On the opposite side, you know, Keanu Neal's good. Uh, They've got some linebackers who can cover some tight ends. Deion Jones in particular. Um, I think... I think the Eagles' tight ends are going to eat regardless of who they go up against just because of the side-speed matchup. I think Zach Ertz can have a big game in this one. Nelson Aguilar is another guy I like. Um, Funnily enough, Zach Ertz is like a lone bad game last year. was pretty much against the Falcons. He had like two drops, and I don't think he had many drops the rest of the year, actually. Fair enough. Um, yeah, that was the one game I didn't cover. By the way, Hooper was Stanford. That was right. I oh, he was? I knew it was like he's, red He's the classic six foot five tight end that comes out of Stanford. Who am I thinking that went to Indiana? Tight end that went to Indiana. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. That's <laughs> not made something on the brain, I guess. Yeah, I well, yeah, we'll have to talk to him. <laughs> so, um, so let's say, I, this is like a general thing, but I think the interior on both sides is kind of like the, the other big matchup. So you have Grady Jarrett, who I think the Eagles really are going to be keyed in on. Sure. They, he's really disruptive. Um, He'll go then, up against Kelsey and Isaac Sable. Yeah, and then on the other side, you have Fletcher Cox going against their interior and their offensive line, which didn't look very good in general last week. So, I mean, we both... Thought the the defensive end. We thought we we were more bullish on the amount of sacks the Eagles would have got last week. Um, so there's like video of Brandon Graham before the game, like talking smack to uh, the Redskins offensive line, where he's like, "I hear you guys are giving out uh, some Popeyes chicken or whatever." <laughs> it was like, yeah. and that just means I hear you're giving out sacks, which is like so. That's such a like a timely reference. I really appreciate it. It, it. is, but they didn't actually. <laughs> but that's, a, that's why Redskins fans were in my mentions getting mad when I tweeted that. But I'm like, number one, I didn't say it. Everybody relax. It was before the game. Like, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the point being, um, you kind of need a big game from Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett this week. Yeah, I agree. And they'll be, I mean, uh, Barnett will go up against Jake Matthews, his former first-round pick. Yeah. And then, you know, Graham's going up against the rookie Caleb McGarry, who's their starting right tackle. He was also McGarry. a first-round pick. Um, I mean, I think the Falcons are at a disadvantage there. Uh, where they're really at a disadvantage is at right guard with Jamon Brown. Uh, I think that Timmy Jernigan could have a really good game this week. Um, another thing that I found interesting, Devonta Freeman, who lit the league on fire two, two years, years ago, yeah. uh, doesn't look like him. No, that, that himself that injury. What, I forget what it was. It a knee? Uh, it was a leg injury of yeah. some sort. I just don't remember yeah. off the top of my head. But yeah, so that could be difficult. And I don't have to have Coleman anymore. So. I think, you know... The Falcons' pass rush outside of Grady Jarrett isn't really that astonishing. Um, you know, Takaris 
McKinley, he's going to pose a threat to Jason Peters just because he's got really good speed off the edge. Um, but like overall, like their defense isn't really all that imposing. Um, and, and I think the Eagles will be fine from a, Hey, if, if they get down by 10 points, they can come back sort of thing. It's more of the offense that I would be concerned about, especially the passing offense. So, um, so let's, so let's, let's do it. So the Eagles win this game. If fill in the blank. If they can move the ball around and keep Julio Jones out of the end zone. And then the, uh, the Eagles lose this game. If Julio Jones gets <laughs> into the end zone more than once. More than more than So even if he gets in once, you think they could survive yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, so they've had, they had a typical slow start. It was like, looked like a lot like last season. Um, do you feel like they can survive it this time? The Eagles? The Eagles. If they have a slow start, like they maybe, like even if it's at the Redskins level where they're going into halftime... <laughs> down two touchdowns i think it'll be very difficult in atlanta um but i i wouldn't like atlanta's weird because i'm i i think they're very good i think last week was kind of just you know we we mentioned it last week uh, earlier this week in the podcast first 18 minutes they have a blocked punt an interception uh, kick kickoff return down within the 15 yard line, and then a forced fumble. That's not going to happen every week. Um, you, you've almost got to hope that the Falcons make mistakes if you're if you're down by a score or two. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I asked Doug Peterson uh, at the press conference, um, like what? Because everybody's always getting mad about the way the running back rotations look and why you know certain guys looking good, why, like Jordan Howard. Why isn't he getting the ball more? We saw that last year a little bit with like Josh Adams when he would pop every now and then that he's gone already but um and Doug's answer was that basically that it's predetermined before the game like they don't even need to communicate because they just know so that if if what seems strange I don't know if he's just saying that because he doesn't want to say how things work but it kind of makes sense if you think about the way things played out last week with Darren Sproles getting the early looks Sanders getting interspersed throughout the game and then Howard not coming into later I would think they adjust that this week right I know you you think Corey Clement's going to play a bigger role Mm-hmm. If you still think that, yeah, uh, I, do. I feel well, like then, jo- yeah. I I think Jordan Howard's going to get ten carries this week. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. I mean, that shouldn't be a wild assumption. But so, so how do you how do you see the share workload playing out one through four? Uh, I would probably go Jordan Howard. Yeah, My- one. Yeah, Miles Sanders, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles. I think that Darren Sproles and Corey Clement will share a package that involves throwing out to you know out of the backfield. Um, I think Corey Clement can eat in this game. I think Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard will be able to find holes. Uh, you can run on this team, on this Falcons team. You need to be able to establish the run. Like it was one, like the Eagles did their best to try to establish the run against the Redskins. You need to establish the run against the Falcons because A, it keeps Julio Jones off the field. B, it'll help your offensive line get going from the start. You saw what happened in the second half once the Eagles got that running game going. They were pretty much unstoppable on offense. Um, and then I also think it puts less pressure on, on Wentz, so when you get to that second half, he can kind of unload. I, I think they need to establish the run immediately, and Jordan Howard's the guy to do that. All right. Um, so let's, let's go through – who are a few guys – let's just go through like five guys. We can go back and forth who – depending on their performance, could like swing this game either in the good or the bad direction. Okay. Um, I'll start with Timmy Jernigan. You mentioned him a little bit. Uh, I don't know if necessarily he's the type that'll like 
make them lose a game, but I think he could really help them win one, mm-hmm. especially if they start using him more as a pass rusher, which, you know, he's, he became like a run stopper here, and he talked about this a little bit in the locker room yesterday. Like, he can do that. He just hasn't really, like, pass rushing. He just hasn't really been given the chance. I think he had five sacks the year before with the Ravens before he got here. When he got here, they started going to those. They would switch to where they would put a guy inside. I imagine they probably do that most often, but the way he looked last week and he looks like he's moving around really well, if he can be like that pass rusher next to Fletcher Cox, then that really does change everything for that D-line. And I think you'll see this week how they plan to use him pretty quickly. This is a big week for Derek Burnett. Um, I thought he rewatching the game and then also watching Fran Duffy's uh, breakdown. Breakdown. Um, I, I was convinced he had a good game last week. And I think if he can finish this week, I think it's a big, big deal because he's going up against a pretty good competition in Jake Matthews. I think Barnett's a really, really good player when healthy. I think his confidence was boosted last week. Let's see how he does this week. I'll say uh, Dallas Goddard. I okay. think um, he didn't really, he didn't make a huge impact last week. There was the catch that they covered really well. I mean, would have been a catch. Carson Wentz placed it perfectly down the sideline and the secondary guy was was there. But... Like, you know, you're you're gonna we're gonna have weeks where a guy people are gonna get mad about a certain player not getting the ball. Last week it was probably Jordan Howard. I feel like if Dallas Goddard went a couple weeks without getting much, it would be him. If Deshaun Jackson doesn't get any targets, but the thing is, the Seagulls' offense is built in such a way that they can adjust every. They can change the way they approach it every single week, and I think this is gonna be a week where Dallas Goddard is a little more heavily involved. And I, if, and if he can convert a touchdown, then they're probably gonna win this game. In that same breath, I would say the same thing about Nelson Aguilar. I think this is a good opportunity for him to work the middle of the field. Um, I think, you know, the Falcons are going to have to respect Sean Jackson's speed, so you're going to probably have to give him uh, Trufant, if he is covering him, safety help. Uh, and if Trufant's not covering him, they're definitely going to give him safety help, uh, the other corner of safety help. So I, I think that'll op- start to open things up for Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Nelson Aguilar across the middle. So on the flip side of that, I'll say Anderson Dejo, and he maybe he's not an obvious one, but he clearly is going to play a lot. He played, I think, like 30 snaps last week, and he's going to be the guy that helps whoever's covering Julio Jones in theory, right? Uh, I would think McLeod. McLeod would, but I mean, he's going to be playing a lot, which we yeah. both don't think he should. And if he makes glaring mistakes like the one he did on the Vernon Davis touchdown, for Austin Hooper's a similarly sized guy. Um, I know Not as athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy because Vernon Davis like 36 and yeah. he can still run. Um, so I, I, I'm very curious to see if he keeps struggling like that, if they turn the Cyprian more. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, so who's who's one more guy? A guy that, like, if he doesn't perform well. Or, or on the flip side, if he has, like, a random breakout. I mean, game. we've talked about him already. Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard... Look, the it's Vikings going. got up early, not just because of the flubs of the Falcons, but because Dalvin Cook ran the ball so well. And I think this is a team, the Falcons, whose defense is porous, and you can run through it. All right. Um, so I'll just run through a few predictions, rapid-fire predictions for you to make. Cool. All right. How many passing yards? What's Carson Wentz's stat line, like general stat line? You don't need, like, a specific number, but... Uh, Completes 65% of his passes for 290, uh, three touchdowns, and an interception. So do you, do you have Jordan Howard leading the team in rushing this week? Yes. So what, 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 do you th- what, what do you think his line looks like? 12 carries for 53 yards. 
So it's so it sounds like this season is going to be a lot like past season where they're not going to have many hundred yard rushers, right? right. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> um. So Zach Ertz, how many how many catches do you think he gets this week? Four. Oh, you don't think he gets four? Like you think they're going to be spreading the ball around a lot? Mm-hmm. And that's why this game is going to be about spreading the ball around. So do you see Aguilar getting making a little more impact this yeah, week? Yeah, I, I think he gets like four or five catches. We should say, uh, I think Deshaun Jackson mentioned that Desha- uh, Nelson was a little down after the game. Because he didn't get the ball as much as I don't know if he, I don't know the exact context. That's interesting. Of it. Yeah, I, I spoke to him after the game. And I know. He I, I, did, I don't know when Deshaun him. said that, but there some people were asking questions to other players about him. But the point being, you know, I would, it wouldn't be surprising if they came out and gave him not because of that, but he he is a good player and Listen, <laughs> this is the kind of game where he can open things up. You're right? in a contract year and you catch yeah. two passes for 11 yards in your first game. You're probably going to be frustrated. Yeah. Um, so do do you think Derek Barnett gets his first sack this week? Yes. Do you think Brandon Graham gets his first sack yes. this week? So you, how many sacks do you think the Eagles get then? Four. Four. That's a good game. Do you think the Eagles force their first turnover of the season? This yes. Week? Force fumble by Fletcher Cobb. Oh, specific. I like it. Um, Jake Kelly. Do you think he misses a field goal last week? Yes. <laughs> oh man, he he did make one last week, right? Yeah, he made it towards the end of the game. Um, I wonder, I wonder how. How many missed field goals before they get worried about him again? It depends on where they are. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get to our game predictions. Um, do, you, do you remember yours off the top of your head? Mm-hmm. What you had? Yeah, 24-20 Eagles. Carson Wentz throws three touchdowns, one to Nelson Aguilar, one to Dallas Goddard, and one to Zach Ertz. Um, the game is, is 21-20 entering the fourth quarter. The defense is both kind of stand firm. Uh, Jake Elliott kicks a field goal within the last five minutes of the game after missing one uh, during the first quarter. Oh, so, he, so he does the classic Jake Elliott thing where he, you forget about it. <laughs> yeah, so he makes that last one from probably 45 yards out. Uh, so the Falcons have to go for a touchdown on their last drive, and history repeats itself where Matt Ryan and Julio Jones can't get <laughs> For the third them. time? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be wild. In like the same scenario too, where they're like four, four downs in a row to it, do it. It'd be <laughs> funny if it was another corner too this time, because the first time it was Mills, second time it was Darby, and this time and, it's and, like Sydney Jones. And just imagine how demoralizing that would be for number one for it to be at home, for it to happen the third straight year, and for them to fall all into and feel like. I mean, that division looks like it's going to be weird this year. Yeah. But for it to feel like, uh, we don't really have a chance anymore. <laughs> I came up with all those specifics off the top of my head. I know, I respect yeah, that because yeah. I was just looking at your, your blurb that we that we do every week and you didn't have any of that in there. Yeah, so that was impressive. So there you go. But yeah, you can't put it in writing because then people will have it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, they have to actually listen to this to, to call, it, call it back to Right, me. man. I the, so uh, before the season, I pre- I've been predicting the Falcons to win. It's on paper traveling on the road, primetime game. Um, coming off what I thought was going to be an easy win over the Redskins, maybe back off a bit or something. But then I saw I'm overreacting to Week One, but Falcons like looked really, really. Bad. You mean you watched it more than I did? Just looking at the box score, even like it was just really bad. So and and if you think about it, the Falcons, didn't really do anything this offseason. They lost guys, and they, I don't know anyone major that they brought in. They brought back Adrian Claiborne, but that and they bad. brought and they re-signed Grady Jarrett. Um, they let go of Tevin Coleman, who made their offense more dynamic probably than Edo Smith does. They, so it's like the same. Sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. And they weren't that good last year. So, um, But I had the Eagles winning 31-20. to I think a big Carson Wentz game. I think the defense had, had a bounce-back performance and shuts down Julio. Um, and I think they, they pull it off. All right, before we go, we can run through a little comments. We got a few on our last pod about Malik Jackson's injury. First one from uh, 
Wild Grimm says, man, Rosenblatt's laugh is unbearable. I agree. I agree completely. I've been (laughs) cursed with this laugh my whole life. Uh, And you're not the first person to tell me that. Some people tell me it's endearing, but I don't believe that. It's not. (laughs) There it is. Uh, Here we go. Uh, AJG says, why doesn't Jordan Howard get enough credit from the Eagles organization to give him the lead back role? I love Sproles and have faith in Sanders, but Howard is a multiple thousand yard rusher. What's your opinion? So why, why do you think, do you think it's just he's a new to the system and kind of thing? Like, why, why do you think they didn't give him the ball? I mean, Miles time? Sanders is new to the system, Yeah, that's too. a good point, actually. Um, I think they wanted to start off out the gate really well. They know what um, Darren Sproles can do, and I think it was smart on their part in a lot of ways to go with what they trusted. Also, remember, Carson Wentz is playing in his first game. So, you know, he didn't have the preseason. He worked a lot in practice. So you go with stuff that he that's comfortable for him. I think moving forward, Jordan Howard and, and Miles Sanders will be a lot more involved. That said, look, Jordan Howard's yards per carry mark has dropped every year that he's been in the league. There's part part of the reason why he had so much yardage beforehand is because the league is moving away from workhorse backs, and the Bears didn't that for those first two years. Yeah. They ran him into the ground. So I think, like, that's something to contemplate. This team's always going to run a committee until they don't. And even then, I won't believe it. So I think if you're going to have a committee, you want a guy that you know is comfortable getting maybe four or five carries and then disappearing for the game. And Howard feels like a guy who will be their clock killer, too, if they need yeah. Especially if they're killing a team. He seems like the guy. And Corey Clement, that was kind of his role as a rookie, actually. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out with him. For, to his, I know it's still early, so there's still time for this to change, but between the trade rumors and not getting the ball and playing very much in week one, you haven't heard a peep from him. I know you talked to him after the game. He seemed like he was in fine spirits, right? Yeah, he, he's, he's happy. He's the, kind, he's the kind of guy that fits into the Eagles locker room. Yeah, he's definitely, definitely a fit for, from a culture standpoint. Yeah. All right, uh, Dawson Garrett says, I agree with everything. Oh, that's good. Other than the fact that I believe Deshaun Jackson will have the most yards and touchdowns. Mark my words, dude's motivated. Wouldn't surprise you at the end of the year he had the most receiving yards in the game? It wouldn't surprise yeah. me. I still don't think it happens. I don't, yeah. He, I wouldn't be, he might get more touchdowns than we originally thought, though. Yeah, I mean, if they keep hitting him deep yeah. down field. Even if, it's like eight, even if it's like 800 yards and seven or eight touchdowns or something yeah. like that. I still think Ertz is going to end up being With the, the most guy. yards? Mm-hmm. Well, not this week, though, so you think it's still uh I mean, I... There's Unless it could 16 be long. weeks in a season. Yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> saying, I'm saying that'd be two weeks in a row with how many yards. But uh, Cody, it's a very simple name. <laughs> uh, am I the only one that would like to see them try to loft a pass to Arcega Whiteside in the end zone this week? I would say he had a less role, lesser role than I thought he would. He played less than Mac Hollins, actually. So it seems like all the, well, Mac Hollins get cut stuff was maybe overblown <laughs> just based on that. Um I would think by the end of the year he's playing a little more, but he did make some mistakes last week. They're playing a better team. Like, I, don't, I don't know how much he's going to play this week. I don't offense. think it's. I don't think. It's, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I don't man. think. I don't think it's necessary. Like, if you want to use him and you have a set package of plays, sure. But like, you don't need to force it. This team already has enough mouths to feed, and I think let it be organic. Don't force it. Like. If you're running a red zone package where it's 12 personnel and your your personnel is Corey Clement or Jordan Howard and then the two tight ends, Alshon Jeffrey, 
Nelson Aguilar. You know, I mean, do you need JJ out there? Do you trust JJ out there? I mean, it's one of those things. Yeah, you go with what you trust when you're trying to win mm-hmm. games. Uh, maybe maybe in like a first half situation. Yeah, maybe. In the second half or something. But uh, in this one, we should talk about this a little bit before we go. Ream 53. Um, basically, he's mad about how Jim Schwartz is always having the corners play three or four yards off, which is a frequent talking point around these parts. Um, where, 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 where do you stand on the way Jim Schwartz pr- approaches like the secondary with the way he does like the prevent and he does the give, give the guys five yards of space? Like, well, he doesn't want to be beat deep. Like, there's a method to why he's doing it. Yeah. Right, yeah. He doesn't want to be beat deep. But the problem is sometimes with the way that alignment is, if your hips are stiff as a corner, you're going to be slow to react. So you so see Rizul, what happens Rizul, Rizul. yeah. Um, the problem, too, is he doesn't blitz all that often. And when he does, when you're playing that far off, it creates an issue because you don't have somebody in the middle of the field. Like, it's pretty easy to complete uh, crossing routes on him. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think Darby's a better press corner than, than he is a guy that's off. I think yeah, Sewell's a better it, press corner, That's better too. built for Jalen Mills than for Ronald Darby. Right. Well, Jalen Mills, part of the reason why you play him so far off is his lack of speed, yeah. right? So you have less speed to kind of catch up. And Mills, would always, Mills was always good. I mean, he's a good tackler, and he was always good once it got to the red zone area where there was like a tighter space for him to work in. Right, as opposed right. to if you're playing press on a guy and you have the whole field behind you. Yeah, and he, you know... That's we talk about safeties that played corner. I mean, he played safety at LSU. Yeah. Like he's not. I'm very curious to see what they do with Mills when he gets back. That's going to be very interesting. I'm wondering if he takes Indejo's job as the third safety. Mm. If he finally moves over there, I mean, they still love him in this building. Like that doesn't. We just haven't heard from him in a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm anxious to see. I, I really am anxious because he he's. It's going to be very. It's, int- so it's going to be like a low key. That's what I'm saying. I'm like very interested because they have options now. Whereas before, like you're like, all right, he's our starting outside corner, and then we figure out everybody else. Or yeah. now you can like maybe you move him around a little bit. I don't know because well, he's not, he's he's an interesting player at least. He's not he's he he was pegged as the number one corner which you he was a sixth round pick or seventh round pick like in 2016, 17? 2016, 2016. Carson's and right. he's a starter right away. Like this dude was never meant to be the number one corner. I think he was always miscast. That's yeah, kind of like Andre Iguodala when he was replacing Allen Iverson. Like he was never going to be the next Allen Iverson. Yeah, I mean I think from their perspective. You know, he could also impact what they do with Craven LeBlanc, right? Yeah. So if you bring him back, do you bring back Craven? So <laughs> I, I'm very intrigued by what the, how they're going to handle that because I really don't know. I don't get yeah. a good feel or sense. Well, we thought they were going to have to deal with it in week one, and then, then Mills' injury kept lingering, and then LeBlanc got hurt. That was like the second day or first day of training camp, wasn't it? Uh, LeBlanc got hurt the second day, yeah. Second day. Um, but so with that said, I think, you know, just sum up the, the playing off thing. Um, you know, it's something Schwartz believes in. It's something to mitigate long touchdowns. He doesn't really care about giving up yardage as long as you're keeping people out of the end zone. That's always been his thing since he was a defensive coordinator with the Titans. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he if they struggle for a few weeks, if he kind of alters it a little bit. I will say it's the in, the relationship between the fan base and Jim Schwartz is like such an interesting thing to me. They don't give up a ton of points. Like, that, that's, that's like that's, the thing. That's a, I don't like, really they hate because it looks bad when you give up a, a long play, which Eagles give up a lot of, or a lot of yards to one guy. Mm-hmm. 
But look how much they shut down that running game last week, mm-hmm. which is the, the for Redskins for all their problems on offense. They have a pretty good – before Geis got hurt, they had a pretty talented backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just strange. Like, I, I, and okay, he gave up a lot of points in the Super Bowl, but so did the Patriots. Like, that was just how that game played out. And, like, they don't make it to the Super Bowl. If, if they have Billy Davis – like, just remember what life was like with Billy Davis. It's a lot better with Jim Schwartz. I don't think – Eventually, Jim Schwartz is going to leave here, whether it's for another job as a head coach or a defensive coordinator somewhere else, I think. I don't think he's going to be a lifer here. And when he does, I think fans are going to appreciate what they had because there are a lot of bad defensive coordinators in the league, and he's not a bad defensive coordinator. Even if he's the middle of the, even if he's the, middle of the league, I think he's a little better than that. But if, you, if your argument is that he's an average defensive coordinator, that's still pretty good. He, he's professional. Like, he knows what he's doing. I think – so I brought him up on the podcast before, but my – brother-in-law's brother, Paul. Hey, Paul. <laughs> can't stand the corners. Can't stand the linebackers. It's, he speaks for the Philly fan base. Huh? Right, yes. He is very much the Philly fan base. Uh, but what I constantly go back to him is, when you look at the rest of the league, most teams don't have a true number one corner. Like yeah. a guy, like they have a number one corner, but not like a guy not who a just shut shut down. There's no such there, thing as a shutdown yeah, Even Jalen Ramsey gives up a lot of yards. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey was terrible against the Chiefs last week. Yeah. Uh, you know, but he makes his bones when he covers uh, DeAndre Hopkins next uh, this week, you know? And he does a good job against him. So what I'll say is this. Like, the talent level isn't tremendous. I don't think... When you look at the cornerback group compared to the rest of the league, they're actually in a much better situation because they have a group of number two and number three corners. When most teams have like a number two level corner, a and number three a level corner, should be playing, yeah, yeah, and a bunch of guys who probably. I mean, look, look you the, know, the Texans just released Aaron Colvin like a year after I gave him a huge deal. And I actually, at the time, I thought that was a great deal. I mean, he was terrific as a nickel corner for the yeah. Jaguars. Um, but like I said, I, I don't think. Schwartz, Schwartz is limited to certain things because they invest a ton of money in the in the front and a lot of assets in the front. So you're not going to have a lot of money invested in the linebacker position. Howie Roseman has never really paid linebackers. Even Nigel Bradham, who was the paid guy, didn't really. Even pay Andy Reid never paid linebackers. <laughs> right, it's a Bill Polian thing. Yeah. You don't you, you do the trenches. Yeah, you do the and, trenches. And you can pay a three down yeah. linebacker, but they have to be a true three down linebacker. Yeah. I mean, even Jeremiah Trotter, they let leave. <laughs> right. So twice. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, safety, they're in a really good spot with McLeod and, and Jake. As long as they're healthy. Yes. As long as they're healthy. That's a spot where if somebody got hurt, they'd be in trouble. But yeah. yeah. And, I mean, look, corners, whatever. I mean, Darby, when he's at his full health, I it, the year of the Super Bowl, when he was healthy, he was a top 15 corner yeah. at worst. But he also, he got hurt, like, earlier in the year. The right, year, yeah, yeah. Help, yeah. But during that playoff stretch, he was great. Yeah. So, I, I just think... Like, you know, it's the sum of the parts here, too, that you've got to kind of consider. You have to put your corners in better position to succeed, but you also have to believe in your philosophy, and that's what he does. All right, I think that's a good note to end on. Um, tweet us or you know, comment on this, uh, this podcast with your predictions for Sunday night's game, and if whoever comes the closest or has the best ones, we'll read on our post-game pod, which I'm sure we'll be recording <laughs> pretty late that night. Uh, from Atlanta, what what's their stadium called? Is the is it Mercedes, Mercedes Benz? Benz Stadium? A stadium, really? Yeah, because not, there's the Mercedes uh, Benz Superdome. Super yeah, you can't have two Mercedes Benz domes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited uh, to go to that stadium. I know you've been there. Oh, but, it's my favorite. Yeah, I love that stadium. But yeah, so either leave us a comment or tweet at us. I'm at Zach Blatt, Zach with a K. He's at Mike underscore E underscore K. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. 